0: Welcome. You're listening to audio from Life Church in Chico, California. We're so glad that you're here. Life Church's mission is simply to connect people to Jesus. And you can find out more about our mission and who we are on our website at lifechurchchico.org. All right, let's dive into this week's message. Uh, I, I've been thinking about this Sunday all year, actually, because I realized early on in the year that I'd be preaching on my birthday, and and I'm like.
1: There's nothing I would rather than share the word of God.
0: So I was beginning to think of like all the different things that I could share, you know, 40, 40 things, you know, like here's 40 different things, you know, whatever. That would take forever. I can't even share on four verses without going over time. But I'm like, here I am up here, bum knee, 40 years old. This is not exactly the ideal birthday, but um, my metabolism is slowing down too which I'm, I'm getting more sleepy earlier. Is that anybody? Is that a thing? My hearing is actually going a little bit too. I actually had to go do a whole like hearing scope uh, this last week. And uh, my right ear is, is like dropped out of hearing. So if I can't hear you, I'm sorry. It's just not, it's not that I don't love you. It's just that I can't hear you. Um,
1: and now I'm getting gray hair. I
0: I know. Well, Nick, you've had no hair for so long that you just don't even know what gray hair is like. If you're gonna call me out, I'm gonna call you out. Just so you know, it's my birthday. What are you gonna do? So, so he, I didn't even know this. Right, we were sitting in a staff meeting. This is our office over here. Sitting in a staff meeting. There's my mother-in-law. There's Dale. Hi. Gonna call you out for a second. This was this was a couple months ago, and we have this great staff meeting. I mean. I let everybody into tears. We were like, it was a beautiful, beautiful staff meeting, the best staff meeting I think we've ever had. And then Dale walks around, we finish, and she walks around, and I'm sitting down, and she, she comes up around me, and, and we're very close, by the way. <laughs> and she goes, did you, get, did you get paint in your hair? What?
1: I have a clump of gray hair right here. There's a clump out of nowhere. It, overnight, it's just there, unless... My wife just didn't decide to tell me. And she's like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, this is, this is
0: my gray hair starting. So no joke, no joke. I go home and I'm at dinner with the family. We're sitting around the table. And one of my sons comes around me and he, he like stops and he, his jaw drops and he goes, oh my gosh. Look at this hair. It's like this clump of gray hair. And I'm like, oh my gosh, did grandma tell you about that? And everybody's like, no, what? (laughs) So twice in one day, I got really old really quickly. So thank you for that. But hey, uh, scripture does say that gray hair um, is a crown of splendor. So I'll take all the gray hair that I can get. All right. Hey, um, I want to have you open up to Ephesians chapter five. And we've been going through Ephesians. We're, We're titling the series called How to Church. And and we're just working through our way through Ephesians, um, the entire book. We're not um, uh, beating around the bush on anything that it says. We are hitting right at it. And what I realized a couple of weeks ago was um, there's some really difficult things that, that Paul says to the Ephesian church. Uh, it's challenging and it's daunting at times, but I want to just kind of, uh, I did this last week, but just, just a kind of little framework of Ephesians. There's six chapters. The first three is all about the believer's position. It's like, it's all about like what we believe. It's the biblical framework or the theology of what we believe. And then the next three, three chapters is really practical. It's like the believer's practice. It's how do you live this life out? How do, you, how do you live this theology out? Pastor Chris called it working theology. How do you like live this out day by day? What does it mean to you? And how do you live that out? And I wanna um, even preface that the authority of scripture is, is monumental. Um, it, like, you either decide that it is absolute authority, or you, it doesn't mean anything. You can't be in both worlds. You can't pick and choose what you like and don't like about it. You have to decide this is the biblical authority. This is, this is God's authority. It's his word of God for us. It is the way in which we are to live. Like If I have any issue, any challenge, any struggle, I can come to the Word and find uh, the the way of life is what Scripture says. It's God breathed, right? It, he He put it into play. Okay, so it is for us today, and it is not something of old. It is just as it was for yesterday, yesterday and thousands of years ago, as it is today, as it will be in the next thousand years. So we have to, we we have this biblical framework today that hey, at Life Church at least, I don't know about other churches, but at Life Church, we are going to use the Word of God for what it is. Can I get an amen? So in chapter four, he talks about the body of Christ and he, he really, it's, he has this kind of domino effect. I, as I keep reading through Ephesians, I keep on seeing Paul kind of like tackling one thing at a, at a time and, and he really has all of these domino effects. I really talked about that um, in Ephesians 4, 17, 18 to 19. You look at this domino effect, don't live as Gentiles do because uh, their hearts are going to get hard. It's going to get dark. Their hearts are going to get hard. They're going to be numb. And then they're going to give way to sensuality, right? So there's this, there's this effect of, of stepping away from the Lord and, and what it does, right? And, and he says, don't have, like last week was, don't have any hint of sexual immorality, of impurity, or of greed, okay? And so we we're talking about these things. And, and so he talks about the body of Christ, and then he goes to the individual believer, like what it really means to be a Christian today. And he's talking to the Ephesians who live in a really, really um, pagan society, a very messed up um, worldly viewpoint of, of society, okay? And so he's really trying to give us this, this viewpoint and, and these instructions, what to do and what not to do. And so he talks about these things and then, you know, all the, all the what to do, what not to do. And then he, he starts us off in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, which we'll get to in a second. And it talks about a biblical marriage. So it's unique that he uses this like here's the body of Christ first this is this is Christ's bride and then he goes to now as a part of the body this is what you do as an individual and then the next thing he hits on is a biblical marriage. So it's a unique process in which you see and then right next week uh, Pastor Manny is going to be speaking on what, uh, like children, and so you're seeing this family household thing. You're seeing this dynamic, and you're you're walking through all of this. and And why does he do this? It's because it's God's design. It's his framework um, for all uh, to be in a healthy family, uh, a Christian household, a believer's household. It, it's it's the way God designed it. All right. So that's what that's why we look through, all through Scripture and we see this. And Paul is. When you read through this, if you have a reference Bible, like if you have a bunch of like other scriptures that you can go to, you'll see so many different scriptures and passages from the Old Testament to now where he's, he's really talking about all of this stuff. So let's talk about a biblical marriage real quick. Uh, a Christian marriage, a biblical marriage. That's the next slide. Sorry, I kind of skipped over you guys. Um, a covenant relationship between a man and a woman. So this is what a biblical marriage is. Uh, it is not a marriage between two women, and it's not a marriage between two men. That's a biblical framework for for marriage. Welcome to Life Church. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't have a heart that cares and loves and pulls in and cares and cherishes and all of the things, right? It just means that when we look at the word of God, this is what we see uh, uh, from the very beginning that, the, that a man would leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife, and then they would be fruitful and multiply. This is. This is all throughout scripture, okay? So you can't, you can't undo all that and, and then have that scripture left over. You, it, it doesn't work together like that. So let's have a theology of family. And that begins with a marriage between a man and a woman. It, it, that's the starting place right here. And, and there's two critical issues I wanna really address first before we really get into scripture, which we'll read uh, the rest of chapter five here. Um, and that's, that's singleness and homosexuality. Welcome to Life Church. You're like, okay, middle of summer. Here we go, digging deep. Um, But we really want to talk about this because uh, we don't want to be a church that just kind of like shies away from the hard things. I don't want to, whoa. Fall off my chair if I don't talk about it. So we have this this theology of singleness. um, And I just want to, I want to read this real quick. It says, God uses singleness to bring glory to him. It's, It's actually something to honor and to celebrate. Um, and, and people find themselves in singleness for various reasons, okay? You might just be growing up and you just haven't got married. Maybe you won't and you have a vowed celibacy. Like you're just deciding, hey, this is the life that I'm gonna live. Um, there's, there's death, right? So there's widows, there's divorce, there's separation. There's all these different avenues of finding yourself in singleness. Um, and it doesn't, it's not less than. And God has a plan for all of us in our singleness. We were born single. So he's got a plan for you throughout this, this season of life, whether it's your whole life or whether it's temporary. Uh, it's something to be celebrated. And just remember that Paul and Jesus were both single. Um, some say that Paul might have been married, but there's no actual evidence of this. Uh, many reasons for singleness, of course, that I just said. But this is, this is where we want to get into this, is singleness, um, as the, there needs to be a dedication to the call of loving God and loving others, just as any marriage would. And then, within the context of the body of Christ, there's no less than between a married couple and a single person. So, so we are a beautiful body of Christ that's working together to further the gospel. And so, it's it's really something to to walk through together. And uh, every single person, though, has also been born of a man and a woman. And ideally, in a Christian marriage, right? So, first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes a baby in a baby carriage. Like, I know that's silly, but that's actually what it should be like, all right? So, like, that's a, that's a biblical framework for where, where we find ourselves, and we don't want to just let go of that, and the world would say, no, go live with your, your, the person that you think you could, live with, you could live with the rest of your life. Go have a trial run, and that is the, that's from the pit of hell. That will get you nowhere. In fact, it'll get you further away from Christ. Okay, thank you. Welcome to Life Church again. Homosexuality. Uh, Last week I shared a lot about sexual immorality, but this is uh, always in line with sexual immorality. You can't read the word of God and hear that phrase and not know that this is a part of it. You can't detach uh, homosexuality from sexual immorality. Okay. So uh, the reason I want to share this is because you talk about today marriage. You know, several years ago the Supreme Court allowed gay marriage to be a thing, right? Throughout all the states. Well, that really made the church kind of go, whoa, whoa wait, wait, wait. Well, that's, that's a federal mandate, right? That's a federal law, but that doesn't mean that it's biblical. So that doesn't mean that we just, oh, we just say, oh, we accept this and we agree with it. We have to walk this out. So there's a huge difference between state and biblical marriage. So I'm going to kind of walk the
1: line here with you, okay? So a gay marriage is not a marriage.
0: It's not a biblical marriage it's a union. It's a, it's more like a contract because of, of the state and the federal government, but that's not biblical. So it's a real challenge to walk this and, and, and do this in, in love and, and with care and with thought. And by the way, I know that I'm risking a lot by saying this. So there's, there's risk involved with love. There's risk involved with talking about the word of God, but that's okay because we trust the Lord.
1: Um, <clears throat> I'll just read these points real quick.
0: The, the Bible never affirms homosexuality, ever. So you'll, you'll find people who say, well, here's all the reasons why it's okay, but it will never affirm it, okay? You'll never see it saying, yes, go do that. Um, justified homosexuality dishonors the word of God. Okay, so, so many times it talks about in marriage, especially man and a wife, right? How do you undo that if, if it's a homosexuality? marriage. You, you just can't. You, if a wife is considering the wife, you can't read even the passage that we're going to go to and even understand, who am I talking to? It dishonors and it disrupts the word of God, and it
1: breaks the word of God. Um, <clears throat> however, the, the last
0: thing I'll share, two, two things. Um, homosexuality does not bring one closer to Jesus. This is more an experiential thing. I, I would probably be able to to really uh, share that in scripture. But I have never once seen someone who's decided this way of living and drawn closer
1: to the heart of Jesus. That's just
0: from, from watching and seeing and in conversation with and in dialogue with, never do they get closer. It actually only perpetuates the situation and grows further away. So they're looking for an answer in something that is not the answer. Also, finally, to, to just talk on this real quickly, um, there is a real thing of same-sex attraction. This is something that probably some of us in the room have struggled with, and it's a real thing. It's a temptation. Just like greed is a temptation for for many in the room, same-sex attraction is too. The, the only difference is, or, or for any sin, is we don't allow the temptation to be birthed, right? We, we have to We have to have some boundaries. We have to walk this out. So if I'm if I'm a very, if I have greed coming on, I'm, I'm trying to gain the whole world. I've got to decide what are my boundaries in place that I, that I don't have a hint of that, what Paul says. So in the same way with same-sex attraction, I've got to put some boundaries in play and decide, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my life away for the Lord and surrender some of these things. So there's, there's a walking this out that is um, really, really difficult and challenging, but it also means that I, I walk in the light of the Lord. Okay, so let's hit back on the theology of family. And that begins with a a man and a woman. Let me, um, as I was preparing for this, I was thinking through, you know, all the ways to say things and share the heart of Jesus through through scripture. But I also recognize that there's an enemy. Like, there is a real attack upon the culture of our world. And it's so easy to creep into the church um, and into families. And the enemy, if, if, if our theology of family starts with the man and the wife and the, the marriage, what do you think the enemy's first point of contact is? It's going to be the marriage. So, so we've got to just navigate this. We've got to have a high alert, a high warning, a high um, a awareness of what the enemy is trying to do to kill, steal, and destroy. So Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21 I'm just going to read that verse first because that is the key pivotal verse for the rest of the passage. So it says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Everybody say submit. Say it like you mean it, submit. And she like like it, it feels like the word repentance. It feels like there's this like ah, I don't want to say that word. I don't want to believe this word. I don't like and and we have to understand the heart of this word, okay? Without understanding the heart of the word, it feels like Like I'm telling my dog to submit, you know, it's like, lay down, you know, like you will surrender. And we have to really understand the heart of this word submit. And it says this, submit to one another. All right. So this word submit, Paul uses it because it's, it's, um, it's central to the culture he was speaking to is very patriarchal. It was very much like, um, dominant male dominated and there was this this culture that would understand a little bit of this word but he flips it on them to use it as a framework to point to Jesus as our ultimate authority so he says yeah submit to one another which would have like made everybody in that society in that culture kind of like wait whoa 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 wait what submit to one another yeah right i've got servants i've got my household i've got money i've got power i've got authority yeah right I'm not doing that. And so it's a real knock on your pride, right? If you're going to submit, you're going to lay low. So it's based off of Jesus. Pointing to Jesus is based off of mutual love, okay? Mutual love meaning Jesus loves me. He has authority. He has power. And yet I have this ability to submit to him because I know that I'm in a safe, protected environment with Jesus. So he's using this word and that it, the word submit means this, to be or become inclined or willing to submit to orders or wishes of others or showing such inclination. Hey, imagine if,
1: ponder with me, if you would, if all of us men and women of God would have this heart of submission to one another, that pride wouldn't get in the way, that fear wouldn't get in the way, that we'd have a high level of trust. Imagine if we submitted to the Lord in all of our ways, every single action, every single every thought, if we just surrendered to Him, what a light we would become for the world! Talk about attractional pull. Um,
0: in, in Acts it talks about the unity of of the all the the people of God. There was such a great unity that all men gave them favor. So the whole world began to see and open their eyes to say, wow, something is going on. I just wonder how many problems would go away within our families, within our church, and then within society, if we would truly just come to that place of submitting to the Lord and his authority, his kingship, his lordship. I don't know about you, but I would love to see that. So let's have a theology of submission. What is it? or what it is not, real quick, it is not this surrender, it is not slavery, and it is definitely not being, being a, a man over a woman. Okay, that's not, that's not what submission is. What it is, is a, an honoring, it's a trusting, it's a thoughtfulness, it's a selflessness. This is that submission to one another. This is that thoughtful, honoring care of one another that is really, really selfless. Um, submission is opposed to pride. I just put these two verses up there, 1 Peter 5.5. 5. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourself to your elders, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes
1: the proud, but shows favor to the humble. That's,
0: that's what I want to see. <clears throat> Romans 8.7, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So a mind governed by the flesh is, going, is not going to ever submit. I mean, there's a high level of pride. There's a high level of protection. There's a high level of, like, I'm going to do my own thing. And when I do not submit, then therefore I will never follow God's law. When I share these things about the word of God, especially the things that are like, oh, wow, he's really saying that, um, there, there's, there's a working within. Am I going to be ruled by my flesh or am I going to be ruled by what the Lord is saying? This submit to one another, Galatians 5.13 says this, you, my brothers and sisters were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly. Yeah. So that's that submission is, I'm gonna submit myself to one another. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see one another above myself. I'm gonna come underneath and serve those around me. I'm gonna have that level of care and thought and, and humility to come Underneath. And then to cap it off, he says, in reverence to Christ. So it's not really because you like or dislike the person that you're submitting to. It's actually in honor of God. So really, it has nothing to do with the person that's, that you're submitting to one another. It really has less to do with that person than it does with what Jesus has done for me. In reverence, in, in awe, in honor of, in respect of. This is like reverence is probably the, the, the most meaty word that Paul could use in saying like for, for submitting to one another in, in reverence and in this awe-inspiring way because you serve Christ, because of what he's done for you. So Christ died on the cross for all of us. So therefore, then we should lay down our life for, for our brothers and sisters. So it's a feeling of profound respect, which I think the church has I don't want to say has lost, but there's been a huge leak of this uh, awe and honor and respect and and care of um, holiness and sacredness of of the Word of God and of Jesus and the Lord and and even of church. And so we want to like cut that off. We want to turn that off. We want to fix that leak. And the way in which we do that is I'm going to submit to one another because of my reverence for the Lord. And I want to do that in in humility in walking with the Lord. All right, so, if he, so that's good on sub- submitting, okay? So, because now we get into the word, uh, the, the first verse here, it says, uh, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as you do uh, to the Lord. And I love that I get to preach this on my birthday. This is the, this is the best. Uh, because that, that phrase has been used so far out of context and it's done so much damage in marriages that is just, it is absolutely awful. You will, re- you will submit to me. Like, are you kidding? Get over yourself.
1: Like, that, there's, that's, there's no place for that.
0: I'm going to read the scripture and then I'll share on it. 23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the, sa- as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. So we want to we stop there for a, second, for a second and just talk about this submission to the husband and talking through that and, and what it is and is not. Um, submission never, uh, can never be required or demanded. It's always earned. It's nothing like you better because I'm the head of the household. It is, it is a place of honor. It's a place of earning. It is a place, just like if I'm to get your respect, I don't just get your respect because I have a senior pastor title. It's because I pastored. And I would never say, well, I'm your pastor, so you listen to me. <laughs> like, you would be gone so quickly, right? Like, yeah, right. I'm going to go find another church very quickly. But in a marriage, a covenant relationship, you can't exactly just run. So you got to walk this out. And so sometimes the, the spouse feels trapped. So we, we walk this out. Submission is only given. Um, there is, uh, just so you know, when you, when, if, if that passage makes you kind of cringe or makes you kind of like ooh jolt, like freak out or whatever, uh, it is all through scripture from Genesis on from the fall, Jesus, the, the Lord gave the command to the, to, to Eve that, that she shall serve the husband there. They're all throughout scripture. You'll see this. So I didn't list all the scriptures, but it is, it is definitely within the word of God. Um, husbands cannot, Demand submission, I just talked through that, but it's got to be earned through love, adoration, care, protection, thoughtfulness, love.
1: Love. Love. Submit to one another. Says first, we really submitted to one another both.
0: But then it says this, as far as the household goes, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. But they'll never su- submit in, in a way of, of, of godly biblical living in the household if it's only demanded or if you haven't earned it.
1: If you're not, you're not respectable and you don't follow the way of the Lord, how on earth is somebody supposed to do that? You've got to walk this out.
0: <clears throat> but it does give the wives a command here. Submit to your husband. There's a choice in this. There's, a, there's, a, there's an action in this. There's a humility in this that walks its way. And the world would tell you right now, yeah, right. The second wave of feminism says, I can be independent and I
1: don't need a man. And that's ungodly. Because
0: God created male and female together. But in our flesh, we want to rise up Say I don't need a man, and I don't have like I have this pride. I can do this all on my own. And in some cases, that is that's true. You have to do that, and the Lord will provide everything within the context of the body of Christ. That's the beauty of the body of Christ that we need one another in situations where uh, it doesn't work out. But you get to decide each day: am I gonna am I gonna
1: submit to the authority of the household that that the Lord has designed within us?
0: Trust is required for submission. Trust is built on a platform of mutual respect. Um, But then it says this.
1: He says, wives, submit to your husbands as you
0: do to the Lord. So again, it goes back to submit one another in reverence for, for the Lord, right? So even if your marriage isn't working out very great, there's still a point of, I'm still gonna do this because of Jesus. Now, granted, it's got to be healthy, right? So if there's abuse, if there's neglect, th- those are things that we, you need to talk through. So it's not just like you give everything away because, well, this is what God said. Well, no, you, you have to have some boundaries. And there's real critical ways that, that, that even Pastor Chris would walk with people through. And so it really needs to, we need to understand this. But as you do for the Lord, there's a level of respect and regard and, and care for, for uh, the wife on, on the husband there's a serving, honoring, and edifying of the highest esteem and honor um, is what one uh, theologian put. He's saying like in the household, if there's this high esteem of honor for the the leader of the house as the husband, wow, things will go well, but it's gotta be earned. Trust in the Lord and a willingness to submit to his authority is the example of a wife submitting to the husband. So now,
1: um, let me see what else I have here.
0: In order, I'll probably hit on this later, but in order for a a wife to submit to her husband, men also have to, husbands have to rise up, lead in a healthy manner with a high regard of thoughtfulness, care, and selflessness, right? So if there's that, then, then he's going to lead like Jesus, and then it will be mutual. There will be a mutual respect and trust built up. Um, One of my favorite quotes about trust is you gain it in drops, but you lose it in buckets. I don't know who said that, but I've said it enough to say it's my own. How about that? You do. So you, it's one act of, of love after another, after another, after another, of care, after another, of respect, after another, one after another, after another, that builds up. But then it can be kicked over one
1: single act. And it's tragic, but it doesn't mean that God can't have redemption. And I would
0: say for, for wives, I would, encourage, I would encourage you to encourage your husband to lead like Jesus. Let's go. Like, rise up, buddy. Come on, dude, you got this. You can do it. Hey, we need cheerleaders. Like, I, I, need, I need some encouragement. You know, I, I need that. So let's, let's do that for one another. Let's move on. 5.25 through 32. I'm just gonna read through. It says this, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle, without any blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies, who he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for the body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh this is a profound mystery but i am talking about christ and the church so i stopped there i know we have one more verse to read we'll we'll cap off with that but husbands love your wives above all else first and foremost this is this is the lord's command love your wife as christ loves the church that's sacrificial love. I talked about that last week, just this sacrificial living. It's, it's this both and of, I'm going to lay my life down for my spouse. I'm going I'm to, just like Christ did for the church, I'm going to do everything that I can to serve her and nourish her and feed her and, and take care of her as the head of the household. I'm going to do all of things because Christ did it for me. See, like you, you can't get away with any of this when you take Christ out of it. Well, you're just supposed to because the Bible says so. Well, no, you do because Jesus did for us. So if I can't say that I'm living like Jesus, I cannot demand that on anybody else. Right? Right? So so, so you got to
1: like slow down on that. You can't point the finger. You got to say, okay, am I living
0: like Jesus? Am I walking in integrity? Am I honoring my wife in all the ways possible in my thought life, in what I see, in what I watch, in what I do, in what I say, in how I live? Am I honoring and nourishing her in all of these ways like Christ loves the church? And then he goes on. And by the way, I just love this in a way. The outside of 21, you have three verses for the wives loving their husbands. And then you have eight for the guys caring for the girls.
1: Hmm, huh, interesting. A man, so vital, so important. If you desire respect and honor as a husband, you have to love first. You have to cherish
0: first. You have to honor first. And as the leader, you have to lead first. You can never expect as a leader, anybody else to
1: take the lead. You lead. So therefore you go first.
0: Hey, welcome. That's leadership. That's healthy leadership. And it's sacrificial love. Christ gave himself up humbly to death for the church. And then he says, Jesus to the church, wash with the word of God so that they, the church might be radiant. And he's just sharing, like, lead your spouse and your family in the word of God. And even Paul references this point of baptism, actually, to lead your household in a way that points to Jesus. Did you know statistically, I think, I, I need to go look, but I think statistically there's a, there's a huge difference between a man who's leading his household for Christ versus just the wife. That the children have a higher rate of following after Christ if the, if the husband does. Now, that doesn't mean that if you're on your own or a single mother, that means that you have this disparity. It just means you need the body of Christ to wrap your arms around, right? so that's why the body of Christ is the very first thing that Paul talks about in this whole domino effect. He talks about the body first of Christ, the believers together in unity, and then the individual and now this Christian marriage. Because you are one, he says <clears throat> to, that we were to love our wife as our own body, but but that's because we're we're one, we're united as one. So if I don't take care then I'm not caring for our body together. <clears throat> and then he says this. In verse 31, he, Paul quotes Jesus when he says this. He says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. And Jesus is also then referencing the Old Testament here as well. Um, and they're to be united together. And that word united is, is a very firm word. It is, it is like glue or cement. It is t- together. It is like this, whatever this is, plastic. It's just like, I'm not going to be able to take a little piece of this off. It is, it's either going to be whole or it's going to be broken. And it is, it is this, this union that Jesus puts us together. And he says, it's a mystery, but it is to the Lord. And he talks about this flesh being one joined together. And then Jesus also says, what, uh, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And that's why separation is just so painful. It's just such a heartache. It's just such a, a deep wound because when you break cement up, it's almost impossible
1: to put it back but Jesus, he is our healer. He is our redeemer. He is the one that walks with us to healing, hope, and wholeness.
0: And that's why we lean in on him in these situations. Then he closes this passage off and I'm gonna have the worship team come up. We're gonna close in worship. If you would, please. Um, Ephesians chapter five, verse 33. He says, however,
1: everybody say, however. So after all that, he says, however. Each one of you must also love his wife
0: as he loves himself. I think Paul kind of understood that men have a high value of self. I don't know. Let's just call it selfishness just for now. But we think highly of our, like we, we think about ourselves a lot. But he says, each one of you should also love his wife as he loves himself. So it's gotta be equal. It's gotta be on par. And the wife must respect the husband
1: love and respect, love and respect. Let's stand together. As we begin to worship, <clears throat> we're singing, let the, lo- let, let the
0: redeemed praise the Lord. And I just, I'm so grateful that the Lord allows redemption within every situation that we're in. But in this passage, he's saying, hey, like, guys, husbands, if you, if you want respect from your wife, love, and, and vice versa, wives, if, if you want to be loved by your husband, then respect. And there's this real deep, profound thing that men need respect and women need love. We, men need love, women need love, we both need respect, but there's this profound difference between the way God created men and women.
1: So, so why don't we make it easy on one another?
0: And it starts with submitting to one another the place where it starts. It doesn't start with, well, if she gets it to together, then I'll, it'd be way easier. Or if he just would like get his stuff together, then I'll, I'll finally start to respect him a little bit. Well, men, why don't you just step up on your own and do the things that you ought to do in, in the body of Christ, in you, and, and wives the same way, and make it easy for one another. And watch and see what the Lord does with your marriage and the wholeness of the body of Christ because we all need one another in it together. So let's, let's worship as we close.
2: You led me out of the desert and brought me into
0: we just say, Lord, we are the redeemed because of what you've done. So Lord, I thank you that there's redemption every step of the way. You're the God of the redemption. Lord Jesus, you are the one who came to set the captives free. So Father, I pray for freedom. I thank you that your truth sets us free. So Father, I ask right now for every situation that we find ourselves, whether we're single, whether we're married, wherever we're at in life, Lord, that you would lead us in a godly manner, that we would say yes to you in all of the ways, submitting to your authority first and foremost. So Father, we humbly come before you and we lay it all down at your feet. So we say, Lord, have, redeem our lives in the ways that we need as we surrender every area to you. Make us whole. Allow us to see your, your face in these situations. And so, Lord, I pray for every marriage. Lord, I pray for a bond of unity so tight, Lord. Lord, that nothing, Lord, that no enemy, the enemy would have no way of, of getting in that we would so love and care for and respect one another, Lord, that you would just make it impenetrable. But we submit to you first and that's the first step in Jesus' mighty name. So we say yes to you in all the ways. And we ask that you would lead us and guide us in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say amen. Amen. Hey, if you need prayer, want to talk or anything, we would love to do that with you. If not, have an amazing Sunday and we'll see you guys later. Thank you for listening today. We hope that this week's message encouraged you. Life Church meets every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. here in Chico, California. You can also listen to us online during our 9 a.m. live stream. We would love the opportunity to connect with you, so please visit our website, lifechurchchico.org.